Well, we are going to be talking about this authentic masterpiece and, and what that means and, and how we can, be, we can be transformed in the way that we see ourselves. And we're going to get started by talking about keeping it real. And when I say keeping it real, I think it's one of these things that, that we look at, keeping it real, uh, you know, being, being really real. That, that what is that? What, what does that mean to, to keep it real? Because I think when we get to the point where we're willing to, to keep it real and, and, and get to this place with people, we don't, we don't do this with everybody, but, but on occasion we'll, we'll find somebody and we'll go, I'm, I'm going to keep it real with them. And when we do this, keeping it real is, is where we admit to others that, that we aren't as good as what it might look like from the outside. We get vulnerable. We get vulnerable and, and we let them in and we let them peek behind a curtain that we kind of put up in places and, and we let them see more. And when, when we let them see more, we're, we're letting them see a, a part of our lives that it's, um, it's a little ugly. We, we let them see a part of us that, that we've got some shame and, and, and we're not proud of, of that. And when we look at that, it might be that it's, it's just part of our past. And so we're, we're just shameful and, and we're, it's ugly and we don't like it. We don't like other people to know. It might not be something that's stuck in the past. It might actually be something that's, that's in the present. It's just part of what's going on with, with who we are. But, but it's shameful. It, it's ugly. But, but when we keep it real, we, we let them see that. But one of the reasons we hesitate to reveal that to some is because we're convinced that it jeopardizes our future. That if I let you see this about me, if I let you know this about it, it, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the relationship, with the friendship. I, I don't know what's going to happen in, in my career if I, if I really open up and I, I get real. And so it is, it's one of these things that it can be hard for us to do, a hard time revealing this, this part of us to others because there's a risk. There's a risk in doing this. And so with that risk, we've got to decide, are we going to do this? We're, we're even tempted to not be real with ourselves. You know, I, I'm not going to be real with me. I, I don't even want to think that about me. And I, I just need to kind of bury it. I, I, don't, I don't want to keep it real with me. And we get to the point where we go, I, I don't even want to keep it real with God. I, I don't want Him to know either. But even if we avoid self-honesty... We're never going to hide who we are from God, that He knows. And so what does that mean? Because I think for, for some, that, that it creates one of two feelings. It, it creates this fear, and for others, it might create freedom, that, that God always knows who you are, that you can't avoid keeping it real with Him because He knows. So is that something that, that generates some fear, or is that something that for you, it, it provides freedom? We're going to be camping out in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 139. And, and the book of Psalm, or book of Psalms, it's all these different Psalms. When, when we look at this, th these, are, these are writings that, that were often and almost always put into songs that would be sung. And, and so that's why they're, they're called this. And they would actually write and pen these out because they wanted to be able to sing them over and over and over. And so we're going to look at, at Psalm 139 as we just kick off this whole idea of authentic masterpiece. Starting in verse 1, 
O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. It's kind of like, a, oh, <laughs> not sure where this is going to go. If, if, if you've examined it and you know everything about me, again, it's where we go, okay, is that going to cause more fear with who God is and what God's going to do, or does that provide more freedom? And I think a lot of that has to do with where you're at on your spiritual journey. That, that if you're somebody that, that with your spiritual journey, that, that you're somebody that you're like going, hey, I, I'm on, on the spectrum of understanding who Christ is, I'm, I'm way over here, I'm, I'm really not sure well, what's going on? I, I don't even know if I believe that there's a God. Maybe you're at a point that you're going, well, I know there's a God, but is there only one God? And, and you, there's, just, there's just a lot of questions, a lot more questions than there is understanding. And, and so when you're over this place, it, it might be when you hear something like this, that God, you know everything about, you know, I'm like, it's like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. It might be that kind of thinking. If you're somebody that, that you, you have an understanding of who Christ is and he's your Savior, you bowed the knee of your heart to him and, and, and you just kind of, kind of was like, I'm okay with doing that, but I really don't need to do much more. Again, that, that fear might be this thing that just kind of comes over you when you go, okay, God, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know all of my thoughts. It's like, oh. But, but if where you're at on your spiritual pilgrimage is it that you're further down the line and, and, and you are somebody that, that you've really tried to study God's word and begin to understand who he is so that you can understand who he's created you to be and that it should give you not fear, but freedom. Let, let's, let's look at this and let's get in a little bit further. You know when I sit down or stand up. You, mo- you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. And not necessarily this physical far away. How could we get far from God? It's a bit mentally, I'm just kind of really distancing myself from who you are, God, and this push that happens there. You know, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And that's not one of these things that if you're a Christ follower that you go, oh, so Instead of me saying a prayer and praising him or asking, I don't need to bother, you already know, so why bother? No. You, you still say it anyways, even though he knows. You go before me and follow me. And that's the simultaneous thing. That's just how big God is. That he's going before us and he's right behind us and, and he's just that big. It's who God is. And with all of that, what do you think God would do? knows all of our thoughts. He knows where we're at. He knows when our thoughts are far from him. He, he knows all of this. And with that, what do you think God would do with this? Because there's some people that they would hear that and they'd go, oh, uh-oh. The, the, the celestial judge is waiting to sentence me. And, and, and that's just where you're at. You're like, okay, if he knows all, then, then he's the celestial judge and he is going to sentence me. Or is it that he is the loving heavenly father and that the love that he has for you, that what he's doing is he's constantly looking to catch you in the act of pleasing him, to catch you in the act of serving him. So which is it that you have a view of? 
that David, who's this psalmist, King David, he, he had a conclusion that with God knowing all of this about him, this is what he concluded, the last half of verse 5. You place your hand a blessing on my head. And what's really interesting is King David, who's writing this, that if you're familiar enough with his life, that, that you would know that there were some times in David's life, there were some high points where David, he, he risked his life to serve God and protect God's people. There were high points, and he didn't do this just once. His most famous one is facing up against Goliath. But, but he did it over and over and over again. Those were some high points in his life. But he also had some low points in his life where he didn't risk doing something for God. That what he did is he risked his reputation by serving himself and doing things that was causing harm and destruction to other people and going completely against what God would have him do. That David, he, he's been on, on both sides of this. And what does David conclude? He concludes, you place your hand of blessing on my head. That, that, that's what he concludes. That when we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us, it's going to change some things. And I hope that as we begin this journey that it's going to be an eye-opening journey for some of you. For others, I hope this is going to serve as a great reminder to you of how your loving Heavenly Father, how He sees you. And so we're going to look at three ways to be authentic. Three ways to be authentic. Keeping it real, what, what are the ways that, that we can be authentic? The first one is accept your limits. Now, now we're not starting off too good. I, I know that, oh, accept my, my limit. Oh. <laughs> we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't like accepting our limits, do we? That, that we are created as, as limited beings. That our, our body, it, it's limited, and more days than others we get reminded. That, that, that our intellect, it is limited. That our, our personality, it's limited. That, that we've got all these limits. When I'm, when I'm interviewing somebody to, to hire a new pastor, that, that one of the things that, that I like to ask them is I like to ask them some things about their personality. And, and one of the things that, that I'll ask, I'll start with, is I'll say, what is it about your personality that you love? You know, what is it about how God created you that you're like going, appreciate that one, God? You know, and, and so I love hearing that and hearing from them. And, and then I flip it. And I say, okay, but, but tell me something about your personality that you're like, really, God? Why would you have to make me like that? You know, I, I like hearing that side too. Because we're all limited. Our body is limited. Our intellect is limited. Our personality is limited. Our talent is limited. Our time is limited. And when it comes to time, we get different limits. We're not like, why did they get more? And why am I getting less? Or sometimes it's more like, 
Man, why, why did they get so much less? They, they should have gotten more than me. But, but it's, it's limited that we're all created and, and we are limited. Our talent, it's, it's limited. And, and what most of us end up doing with this is when we look at our, our unlimited God that created us in a limited way and we're just like kind of, oh, we're down on it. That, that, that we kind of feel defeated at times and, and discouraged at times because of our limits. But our unlimited God who created each of us in a limited way. That if you could begin to see yourself as an automobile, you would see yourself as a much more valuable being. Because see, when you're driving down the road and you see the car and it has that little badge on it and it says, limited edition, it's kind of like, oh, it must be nice to drive one of those. Because it's got all the bells. It's got everything. It's got more bells and whistles than you knew that there were bells and whistles. Right? Because it's a limited, and it's like, wow, that one's worth a whole lot more. We need to understand that, that yes, we're limited, but, but our worth isn't worth less because we're limited. That we're worth more because of our limits. And, and they are God-imposed limits, that we shouldn't be discouraged by them. We're, we're not in control of those limits, that God sets them. But for some of us, we, we end up spending a lot of time and money, effort, and energy trying to change those limits or trying to bypass those limits. That, that when we seem to just keep running out of time over and over and over again, it's like, going, oh, okay, I'll just give up some sleep, and that's what I'm going to do because I, I need more time. That, that when you don't like something about yourself cosmetically, that some people are like, well, I, I can just pay some money. I, I can change that. I can figure, I didn't like that limit about me, so I'm, I'm just going to do something about it. When, when there's something that, that you want to acquire that, that your bank balance won't let you because that's the limit, you go, well, what's my credit limit? <laughs> You know, and, and, and now we start looking at something different. And, and, and they mark it in such a genius way. Because they take and they, they put, put a number out there. Whether they put the year, 2024, or whether they say, hey, four years. Whether they say 36 months. Whatever they say, they, they put a number out there of this amount of time. And then right after that amount of time, they say, same as... Yeah, you guys have seen it. <laughs> Same as I think there should be a disclaimer. And I think the disclaimer should be same as cash to us, the retailer. It's the same because we're getting our money. It's the same as cash. Because there's too many people that by the time you finish paying that off and you look at what you paid and what the actual invoice was when you acquired it, you're like going, they said same as cash and I paid a whole lot more. Right? And so, so we got to be careful with, with what we do trying to overcome these limits that we have. From early on in creation, we've been trying to push past the limits. That Adam and Eve, they, they didn't like the, the limit that was put out. Don't, don't eat from this tree. Enjoy any and everything else. Here's your one limit. And they pushed past the limit. And we don't like the limits that we don't have control over, do we? 
If, if we're imposing the limit, we're like, yeah, I'm kind of, most days I think I'll live with my self-imposed limit. Uh, I've been good. I'm going to push past it. We're okay with the limits that we're in control of. But we don't like the limits that we aren't in control of. And we need to accept our limits. That we need to accept these limits. That it's part of God's boundary of the limits that he's put on each of us. Many of you might be familiar with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things that I can. And wisdom to know the difference. <clears throat> when we look at this, God give me peace to accept my unchangeable limits. Give me peace there. But God also give me determination to change what I should. I think that for some of us, if we were going to keep it real and that, that we were going to get real honest and if we started to think of ourselves as a piece of artwork and, and, and how we've been working on our lives that, that, and, and we were forced to get a frame to frame ourselves in, <clears throat> I, I think for some of us in the room that the frame that we would have might look like this. <clears throat> Yeah, I've been, I've been working on my life, and uh, this is the best I got. <laughs> and so I just got a frame that matches it, because that's, that's me. And, and, and we do, we, we look at our lives, and <clears throat> we're so discouraged at times because of, of who we see ourselves as, what we see ourselves, and, and even the limits that we have. And so this piece of artwork that is called our lives... We look and go, yeah, that's, that's me. And it's kind of like, well, do I, uh, should I pose or do I keep it real? You know, I, that, that's, that's how so many of us, we, we see ourselves. That, that we're, we're so in touch with the limits. <clears throat> and with those limits, all we do is we get discouraged by them. That, that we don't accept them and leverage them. We just get discouraged by them. But, but if we're going to, to see ourselves as an authentic masterpiece, we, we've got to keep it real. And, and one of the ways that we've got to get there is we've got to accept our limits. And, and when we accept them and understand that, that you belong to God, he's your creator. That Jesus, he, he gave his life to redeem, to pay the price, to purchase your soul. That that's how much he loves us. And that there's freedom within the limitations. We just have to leverage the limitations. So the first one, to be, first way to be authentic is accept your limits. The second one is embrace your gifts. If you're going to keep it real, you're going to be authentic, this authentic masterpiece. Embrace your gifts. Don't reject, don't devalue the gifts that God has given you. That, that for us, we, we all have gifts, but yet we tend to be jealous. I, I'm just keeping it real, getting a little vulnerable with you, right? That, that we tend, I, I tend <clears throat> to get jealous of some gifts 
that other people have. I can get jealous when, when their gift is my gift, but their gift is better. <laughs> right? I, I can get jealous when they have a gift that I don't have, that I want, I wish I could be doing that. That we do, we, we tend to get jealous of the gifts others have. And when we begin to do this, <clears throat> something that often follows is we start being wasteful with our own gifts. They were so jealous of somebody else and what they have that we begin to waste our own gifts and we aren't using, we're not embracing and using the gifts that God has given us. Who is it that you're around, that you're doing life around, that you're doing life with? Who is it that you're doing life with and doing life around that is missing out because you're not using your gift with them. That you're not using your gift to serve God by serving them. That we've got to embrace our gift and, and use our gift. Refusing to use your God-given gifts for His purpose, it prevents you from being the blessing God created you to be. When we just refuse, whether well, we're lazy or defiant, and we just we refuse to use our, our God-given gifts for His purpose, it prevents you from being the blessing that God created you to be. That I, I'm convinced that, that we've all been given gifts. That, that maybe you've got the, the gift of hospitality, or maybe you have the gift of encouragement or teaching, or maybe you have the gift of evangelism, maybe you have the gift of singing, maybe you have a, a gift of just seeing numbers and understand how you, you, we've all been gifted. We all have gifts, and we need to use these. And, and whatever other gifts we have, I, I don't have time to go through the litany of all the ways that we're gifted. We need to use these to serve God and serve others. And when we do, we get to experience being the blessing. You talk about having a blessed life is when you see your life being a blessing to God and others. That is a blessed life. I think about people at Crosspoint that have this gift of hospitality and they, they choose to use that gift with our community groups, our, our small groups, our journey teams, whatever you want to call them. But, but we've got people and groups that they just keep meeting week after week after week. And they meet in homes. And, and we wouldn't be able to have this ministry if people weren't hospitable. If people didn't have this gift of hospitality and say, hey, I will, I will open up my home and I'd love to have you. I, I, I'd like to share time with you in my home with you. And if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be able to have this ministry that I'm so grateful for it. And it empowers and enables other people to use their gifts when they all come together. That it just all works. If you're somebody that you're not in one of those journey teams, that we're actually having a connection party today from 4 to 5.30. That, that I would invite you to come and be part of and find out more about that and find out, hey, I'd like to meet some people and see, hey, what group might be a fit for me? Based on what my schedule is, based on what my location is, based on what my personality is, what, what is a group that might be a fit? So come back today at 4 o'clock, it's 90 minutes of your time, and, and find a group that you can connect with. Because we have people that are using their gift of hospitality so that we can come together and connect. It's important to use. That, that for us, 
one of the things that, that we have when it comes to, to our, our purpose is that we have a purpose, and that is to reach seekers and build believers. That that's who we are as a church. We want to reach seekers. And who is seekers? See, people that are seeking for, what's the meaning? Well, there's got to be something significant. I'm missing out on something in life. They're, they're, they're seeking for meaning and significance. We want to reach seekers and build believers, grow them up, grow believers in Jesus up for the kingdom of God. And that's our, our purpose. And then, then we have a mission strategy. And I'm not going to tell you about all five of our, our mission strategy pieces, but I'm going to tell you about one of them. And one of them is enable people to serve. It's just one of our mission strategies of, of how do we go about doing that. Enable people to serve. That, that we are so intentional and so serious about this that when it comes to enabling people to serve, that, that people that we don't require you to go through our formal membership class. We have one. But we don't require you to go through that just to be able to serve around here. We also, we, we don't require you to, to believe everything that, that is being taught. We, we don't require that in order for you to serve. In fact, you don't even have to be a Christ follower, a Christ believer to be able to serve around here. Now, if I'm going to keep it real, I'm going to tell you this. If that is you, we're not inviting you to teach the Bible study. <laughs> Just keeping it real, okay? But, but we have plenty of ways, and we, 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 we want to enable people to serve, and, and we know that through that they find community. And when you find community, you know what you find? Belonging. And around here, we, we welcome people in all the time that, that, that you can belong without believing everything that we teach. We just want you to belong and, and begin to find community here. And as you begin to find community here, we hope you'll wrestle with some of the things of, of the things that you don't believe that, that we believe in. And why don't you believe those? And, and that you'll wrestle with that. But service. It, it's, we've got to use the gifts that God has given us. And that we need to use them to serve others. So David continues in his psalm. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. He said, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. When is he saying God got involved? You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And some of you, are sitting next to somebody and going, I think you got an extra dose of complex. <laughs> There's David and he's writing all this. He's understanding this from God. He says, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in the utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. This is just one more of those pieces for me that makes it so clear that life begins at conception. That, this, that, that, that God is involved from the very beginning. This is when life is life. He says, you saw me before I was born and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This isn't just a thought that he had once. This was a song that he had put together that over and over he would remind himself of how God sees him. And this next piece, if you understand this, it is a game changer. 
That, that, that if, you, if you'll embrace this next thing that, that David understood and knew, that for some of you it would transform the way that you see yourself. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. Let me say this. This isn't David writing this and he's going, this is kind of exclusive. This is kind of just me and God thing. Kind of, it sucks to be you, you know. That's not, that's not what he's doing. He's wanting us to understand what every one of us can understand. That when it comes to God and he has thoughts about us, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God, they cannot be numbered. That's, that's how many precious thoughts God has. They cannot be numbered. Verse 18, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. When I've screwed up and I wake up, you are still with me. And how precious are your thoughts about me? When you begin to question that, how precious are God's thoughts about you? Just scoop up some sand and start counting the grains to understand just how precious and how many precious thoughts God has. And when you get through that handful, scoop up another and start counting all over again. And then look and begin to see all of the sand around you. And then understand You will never be present where all sand is. That is how many precious thoughts God has for you and for me. That we need to embrace our gifts, understanding how God sees us. And that he takes delight in us. It should motivate us. And that we would take and we would embrace our gifts and begin to use our life to the glory of God. Use our life as an expression of gratitude. I'm doing this, God, because I'm so thankful for what you have done for me. That we would do this. So when we look at these three ways to be authentic, to accept your limits, embrace your gifts, and third, see yourself as God sees you. Too many of us are convinced that the way we see ourselves is the way God sees us. And it's not the same. The more that we can keep getting into alignment with how God sees us, the better off we're going to be. But we will still struggle in this lifetime to see ourselves the way God sees us. You don't don't have to give yourself the pep talk and tell yourself you're awesome. Because nobody else is doing it. You you don't have to do that. Because see, that's how God sees you. You are awesome. He has created you. And his thoughts about you are precious. And there's so many precious thoughts. They cannot be numbered. Because see, you are an authentic masterpiece that God has created. In the Gospel of John... In chapter 1, as he's just beginning to to lay out the framework of all the things that he remembered about the life and times of Jesus, we get to verse 12 and he says, but to all who believed him, that's believing Jesus, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
that, that God sees us in such a way that he, he welcomes us into his family when we will believe in his son. That, that for us, what does that mean? That, that when you believe that, that you are a child of God, that when you believe that you are a friend of God, when you believe you are justified by Jesus to God, that when you believe you are set free, that when you believe you are accepted by Christ, who with joy brings you before the Heavenly Father and says, this one knows us. That we are accepted. And when you believe, you know what that means? It means you're not an outcast. You're not an outcast. That instead, when you understand that you believe, when you discover who you are in Christ, what it does, it changes your forecast. But you're not an outcast. In your body, my body, when we believe, this body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of God chooses to reside in you. That body that sometimes you're ashamed of. That body that sometimes you're like, why? That, that body that, 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 that you just are jealous that your body isn't like somebody else's. That is where the Spirit of God chooses to live, stay, and dwell in you. And don't be defined by what culture says about you. Instead, be defined by what your Creator says. You see, culture is going to say to you, and it's going to be lying to you, and don't believe the lie that you aren't wanted. Man, that, that lie is really wreaking havoc on our young generation today. That, that, that you aren't wanted, that, that you aren't loved. It is a generation that is more lonely than at any other time when we look at the history of generations. They're expressing it more than any other time. That, that don't believe the lie that you aren't wanted, that you aren't accepted, that you aren't loved because your heavenly Father has accepted you and He loves you and He wants you. The truth is that you are special. You are a one-of-a-kind God design. That, that you are a limited addition. And that, yes, we need to accept our limits. That, that we need to embrace our gifts and we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Don't take my word for it. Take Paul's word who wrote that, a guy who's so much closer to God than, than what I probably will ever be. And he understands that we are God's masterpiece. You're not a wasted canvas. You're not a worthless canvas. That when you see yourself the way God sees you, you will see that you are a wonderful canvas that God has created. That you will never really know who you are until you know whose you are.
that, that you will struggle with your identity until you know whose you are. And when you know whose you are, it changes the view. That, that it changes it. And that we no longer see that, that, that our frame is a frame that just kind of this nasty, ugly, just kind of self-put-together frame, that we would take this frame and go, yeah, we don't, we don't need that frame anymore. And we just put it aside. Because what we do see is that we see that, listen, God has created us, and He's created us. We are wonderfully created. And that this, this is the frame that matches the worth of who we are in God, I'm just keeping it real with you. That when you see whose you are, it should change the way you see yourself. And that that's part of the discovery of being authentic. And when you discover you are a masterpiece from God, it's then you will master peace. You have to see that you are a masterpiece of God's. And when you do, this is when you will be able to master peace. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that, that, that where we need a a new vision of seeing how you see us, that you would give it to us. God, that we would understand that, that you don't make mistakes. You don't make mistakes and, and that we are a limited addition, that you know full well what you are doing and you knew what you were doing when you created us. God, I pray that, that we, we could accept the limits and God, that we would leverage these limits. God, that, that we would embrace the gifts. God, the way that you've gifted us in different ways, that, that we wouldn't have to be stuck being jealous of what other people have and we don't and what we wanted. But God, that we would embrace. And by doing that, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't waste the opportunities that are given to us to, to serve you, to, to serve others, to make a, a difference, to experience that blessing of being used by you to make a difference in this lifetime. God, I pray that you would help us to be able to see ourselves the beautiful way that you see us and that we would trust that what you see is the real thing. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.